Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Talk on Tech. I am Patrick Smith. And I'm Scott Nicholas. And we're here today to talk to two very recent graduates of the Bridging the Gap IT Fast Track program. Before we talk to them, let's have a little backstory. Around Christmas 2015, not too long ago, Scott and I just did a really quick podcast telling you all about what the Bridging the Gap IT Fast Track program is, in case you've forgotten. But for a quick synopsis, we've taken our two-year, 24-month IT security program, and we have condensed it down into 15 months. And Scott's been teaching the majority of those classes, and then I finished off the students with the internship class, as well as my networking practicum. And bringing up the internship class, we're going to be talking today with Greg Shoemaker and Andrea Emanuel. And when we talk to them, we're going to be talking about the internship class, which I'm now in charge of. All of our students during their very last term here, whether it be spring, fall, or summer, will be placed at one of our local companies who's a partner with us, an industry partner in the IT field. And that allows us to make sure that our students get experience if they have not had experience, either at help desk, at network administration, doing voice over IP phones. We'll probably hear about a plethora of things that they've actually done at their companies today. But the whole point of that is to give them some experience so they have that on their resume and so that hopefully they might be so lucky that that company has a free position open, something that might be available, and they might be able to fit into that and become a full-time worker there. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Greg Shoemaker and Andrea Emanuel. Hello. 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 So Scott, before they start to really jump in, how about you tell me about the first time you met Greg and Andrea with the uh, the BTG Fast Track, and then, then we'll go back with them and talk about their history and them getting here. Well, the the group comes through in a cohort, which is an academic term for you know a group of people that all go through the same classes together. And it because it is very condensed, very fast, it's it's difficult, but the people kind of meld together as a group. You know, they become a little family. And so I would I would say that this group here is probably the best group that I've worked with uh, since since you guys actually, Patrick, when you were uh, in my first group of students. And so Greg, the first thing I noticed about Greg was Greg loves hats, <laughs> and um, he is a very jaunty fellow. And so, uh, I, I, and that, you know, he 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 is a jaunty fellow. That's the thing. And so his sartorial presentation I thought was very good. And and plus he, it, it was interesting. We were talking with some of the other students uh, earlier this evening, and and they were saying that Greg actually really blossomed when he moved from the back of the class to the front. That's true. And, and so you know, um, and it is true. Yeah. And so then um, Andrea, who is a very petite lady, uh, she's she's seems very quiet, but. She came to me at, at the very beginning, practically, and said that she was concerned because she didn't have an IT background. She's got a master's degree in psychology, though. And so I, I told her that she could talk to one of the previous group that had come through, Jenny. And, um, and so, but I, I told her I, I did not think that she was going to have any problem at all. And she has just, you know, excelled through the program. And so, because Jenny was in your very first cohort with Bridging the Gap. Yes, she was in the first Bridging the Gap group. And, um, 
and she said the same thing. You know, she was concerned. She had a, a lot of life things going on. I mean, and, and that's I'd say one of the biggest obstacles to the to the program is life in general because people are coming through they're generally not traditional students meaning that they're they're over 25 a lot of times and and they so they have a life and and you know spouses children you know jobs a lot of times and those things bring up things that present obstacles you're trying to live your life and and be a a, a wife husband father you know mother and and still be a good student and um and both of these folks here have done a fantastic job on that so i think that is a really good segue to to asking andrea first and then greg so based on scott saying that so many people come into this with already having a life already having a family already having an educational background where were you at the time you decided to come to mount west had you done any computer stuff what was your background at that point and what led you here? Well, I had no background in IT before I came to Mount West. Um, I had a background in social sciences, but then after I graduated, I had a hard time finding a job in my field. So I was actually working at a vet clinic, and I got some newsletters in the mail or some mailings from Mount West, and I started looking at them and looking at the IT program that they were advertising. And so I went to Mount West and ended up meeting with Dr. Randy Jones, who told me about the Fast Track program, and that is how I ended up here. What about you, Greg? Uh, Well, I spent probably the last 20 years working and repairing computers, uh, doing odd jobs for people, while trying to maintain a a job itself the whole time. I uh, worked for WWK Channel 13 as a director pretty decent job I didn't have the educational background for it but because I'm usually a pretty quick study I caught on when that job panned out I found myself without any skills or anything to support my future and was a stay-at-home dad one day we found out that my youngest child was going to get to go into school into pre-k early and I was left there with no direction no job no education. Uh, I went to school, but I hadn't completed anything. And one of the people I worked with at St. Mary's, my brother owns a coffee shop there, and I was doing that on the weekends, helping him and doing consulting for him. One of the people I worked with had mentioned that I should probably look into Mount West. And I went on, on the website, and the very first thing I saw was the Bridging the Gap, the IT Fast Track program. And it just sounded perfect like this is it's quick it's an opportunity to get in and get out and get motivated moving you know and it's in a field that i thought i would be not only very interested in but probably semi-qualified for already Mm -hmm. Um, probably the best decision i ever made that's good to hear yeah that's that's really good to hear so when you two showed up for for the summer classes I mean, I don't, I don't imagine that Scott right off the top of his head can be like, oh, yes, I've, you know, I've taught several, several semesters since then. He probably can't hone in on it. You all can probably hone in on it a lot more than he can. And he already alluded to the fact that apparently, Greg, you sat in the back at first. Yes. And you really came out of your shell much more when you moved up. Will you all talk about your experience the, that summer, you know, doing the, basically the A-plus class? Which was a year ago. Yeah, yeah that's hard to believe. I mean, it seems like forever, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I, 
honestly, I, the A-plus was almost really just like a refresher course for me. It was the other material that I didn't know a whole lot of. So I don't I won't say it was easy, but it was almost just like uh, something I, I could kind of send my coast through. It was actually quite interesting watching the dichotomy of the class break down as everybody started to find their place, you know, and everything started to happen as a routine and we were always here. It is true. It feels like a family. It it happened pretty quick. You know, everybody kind of seemed to gel and know what places you know you could step into and what places you shouldn't you know and it allows the conversation to have the a a nice median feel and i always really enjoyed that about the class how about how about yourself andrew um at first it was it was really interesting because we all were kind of quiet and we didn't know each other very well and it took some time to get used to everybody Um, (laughs) one thing i really liked about the summer was scott's stories that he would share with us in class about when he was working in the field. And those things really related to what we were learning in A+, and they gave us a lot of context. You know, we can learn about printers and setting up printers and things like that, but when you hear real-life stories, it really kind of hit it home for us and helped a lot. Okay, well, great. And then at the end of that, you all went ahead and sat for your, your two parts of your A+. And then that kind of concluded the summer. And then you all moved in to the fall semester, which was your four classes with Cisco. So at that point, my assumption, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but you all were probably gelling pretty well as a cohort or at this point as a team. You probably already had your study buddies picked out and stuff like that. And the people you know you could turn to for the hardware side, the software side, you know, strengths and weaknesses and trying to combine for synergy. So tell me about the the Cisco classes and and how those ended up going. I think we all really enjoyed Cisco. And I know, like, watching Greg, he gets physically excited whenever he's configuring a router or a switch or when he's working with Cisco. You can kind of see those gears turning in his head. (laughs) Um, I think we started out learning about the OSI model, and that really helped put things in perspective for us with Cisco, learning about where each thing that we learned about fell within that model Mm -hmm. Um, and cisco just seemed so much more i think streamlined compared to when we got into microsoft microsoft was just so much information and so vastly different from cisco well it does help out that like the foundation of cisco is typically going to be tcp ip so when you're doing when you're learning the osi model yeah you guys were lucky because you had all four courses together Mm -hmm. you know i can remember learning the osi model in a one-off class that Scott taught that was on network uh, essentials. Networking, networking essentials, essentials, yeah. That we needed for NT4. Like, if I passed the test, it didn't even count towards my NT4 yeah. certification. He came back to me, like, you know, what was it, 15 years later, and he said, why did you make us take that class? And, you know, I had to think about it for a little bit, and what, what it did was it gave me a baseline for everybody because I didn't know where everybody was coming from i didn't know what their backgrounds were and so if if i if i had everybody go through the networking essentials which was a base course that that basically talk about protocols and and you know things like that then I, at least i would know that they had that and that's that is that's what i came back and told you i know yeah the book was basically like net plus basically yes. but even back then our sixth 
of seventh classes was TCPIP. Yeah, so, then, which was an elective. Yeah, there was TCPIP and then IIS. Yes, so I had, had information, my, sir. So I had my MCP plus internet. That's right. Yeah. We, st- we both still do. But, he, but I mean, back then, from the Microsoft standpoint, I heard what the OSI model was, but it's not like I was seeing that happen real time with network packets because... Microsoft's not really about that unless you're doing the ping command or tracer out, something like that, Yeah, which is a small chunk of that. But on the Cisco side, you all are definitely doing subnetting. You are definitely watching the traffic. Why is this information not going to the right VLAN? You're, you're probably living inside of Wireshark a lot, programs like that, trying to figure out what's going on, packet analyzers. And I, I find it very encouraging that the way you guys feel about Cisco and the excitement that you have about it because it's not very visual. As you know, pretty much all of the the configuration and things like that is command line only. And so it's not pretty to look at. And so to be able to visualize and get excited about what's going on there, that makes me feel like I'm doing my job, I think. And so that's really, you know, makes me feel good that you guys are that excited about it so greg what about your take on the cisco classes well andrea stated the point i do love cisco (laughs) Um, to be honest with you it's the backbone of most networking in general if you don't have someone who understands cisco and cisco devices you probably don't have much of a network and the truth is everyone nowadays is leaving landlines alone and moving on to IP telephony and Cisco and Cisco products are a big part of that marketplace Mm -hmm. so if you're going to get involved in this type of work especially if you're going to work in larger corporations lots of people lots of office space you're going to need to know a lot of those types of things there is something about sitting down and punching in working on the command line of iOS, it's not like working with anything else that I've experienced, and I do like trying to solve puzzles, and it very much feels like solving a puzzle to me. I felt very much with A+, whenever we finished that semester, I was prepared to take those certification exams, and I felt the same way at the end of Cisco. I don't think anyone could feel prepared to take the Microsoft <laughs> certifications. They are so convoluted, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I really, truly enjoyed Cisco. I would If there was one part of it that I could do again, that would be the part I would want to do. Well, well, pretty soon there's going to be a new curriculum, so. <laughs> yeah, maybe that wouldn't be worth looking forward to. <laughs> uh, one, one thing that I wanted to ask Andrea, well, before I forget, is um, Cisco and Microsoft both have spent, you know, millions of dollars, I believe, in programs to tr- to attract women in IT, and I just wondered what your experience had been so far as as a woman in IT. Um, personally, well, I haven't been in the field for very long. I haven't had any issues being a female in IT so far. You know, I'm the only I was the only female in our class, but we were all like a big family. We all got along, and I think everybody was treated pretty equally. I know, like, I was never really encouraged to go into IT. Um, And maybe that's just because I never expressed an interest or maybe because people assumed, you know, I was female that I wouldn't like it. But once I got into IT, I have not noticed any issues because I'm a female. Everything's been 
I've been treated pretty equally, I think. Well, and that's why I wanted to hold off on what my experience had been because I've been in IT since 1990, which is ancient. But my experience, and I've, I've worked with a lot of women, here at Mount West, half of our IT faculty is women. And my boss, when I worked at the computer store in Huntington, was a woman. The company was owned by a woman. And I have never ever experienced you know it it did not matter what race you were what gender you were all that matters is what you know and that's that seems that's what it's always been that i could see and so if you knew what you were doing you were golden with everybody else and if you didn't then that's that was your fault it didn't matter you know whether you were black white um, male female it doesn't none of that stuff mattered there are definitely less women in it i think but that may just be a gender kind of a thing where guys like to take things apart. You know, I've asked that before in A-plus class at the beginning, you know, I'd say, so when you, when you were a kid, did you take your toys apart? Even if you couldn't put them back together, did you take them apart? You know, and pretty much everybody said, well, yeah. Just you know. your toys. <laughs> I, took, I took apart the heat register five times. <laughs> VCR, CD. Oh, yeah. Is. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was working when I took it apart. <laughs> It wasn't. Yeah, wonder what what's inside here. Yeah. So, well, I'm I'm glad to hear that that's the kind of experience you're having too. Which, I I I like IT because of that. I don't see a glass ceiling and and things like that because I mean you, you had at HP you had Carly Fiorina was the CEO, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I just don't see that being a problem. I really don't, and I'm glad. So, at the end of Cisco. You all would go and sit for your your ICND one or your CSINT, as it's sometimes called, Cisco Certified Entry Level Network Technician, and then your ICND two, which is your CCNA for routing and switching. And both of you all did go and sit for those. Were those correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got so, great scores too. Yeah. I was proud of both of you. Yeah, very you. much. And then you moved into your spring semester, which Greg's already alluded to how much he loved this <laughs> um, into my my realm which was the Microsoft realm, five of my seven Microsoft classes. And how was that? That's not a loaded question. Well, it's not that I don't enjoy Microsoft or that I didn't gain a lot of experience or see the power of opportunity for administration with Server 2012. It's, the, and it's, it's a necessary thing. He wanted to say necessary evil, you know. Yes, <laughs> it, it's the difficulty in the way that they propose their questions to you, the way that they. Uh, Boy, have it, we heard that a lot of times? They make it so, and, and they have to, you know, because you're not going to just walk up and and come to a problem in IT. Oh, you just need to flip a switch and everything's fixed. No, it's not that. You're going to have to think about the big picture and all the different things that are incorporated with what you're doing. But I found it to be extremely difficult. It was probably the toughest part of the whole process was, especially whenever you come from something that seems so streamlined and defined as Cisco. Yeah, I was about to ask you if you thought the fact that in Cisco, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but in the routing and switching, you dealt with a router and all the commands it could use and possibly a switch and all the commands it could use. But that that was your realm of mm-hmm. possibilities there. And then suddenly in Microsoft, you're selling, dealing with servers, clients, Active Directory, VPNs. Different vendors. SCCM. Different, oh, yes. Yeah. 
there's a there's so many aspects to Microsoft. In fact, I don't think I, if I really focus hard, especially since new software will come out and new, uh, I don't know if I will ever know everything I want to know about that particular subject. Well, that that's the just the nature of IT. Yeah, that's uh, true. Which is which is why it's so much fun to be in. You know, we kid around stuff and we say, "Well, when's the last time that math changed?" You know, or something like that. <laughs> it's true. And I mean, if you just stand still for a second, you know, IT will change and a new curriculum will pop up, and you got to you know get with what's new. But the the cool thing about it, and I've always said this, was that I would just about do this stuff for free. And that's the kind of job to have, you know. It's great to be able to play with all of the newest technologies and the, uh, all the newest devices and things. And, you know, if you were on your own, you'd never be able to afford that. And so it's great to be able to work for a company that um, is, is working with all the new technologies and, and all the new uh, hardware and things like that. And, you know, they're letting you play with all that stuff. It's great. Andrea, what about your experience with uh, Microsoft? that that semester yeah I think we really struggled when it came to Microsoft it was a lot of information packed into one semester it seemed like we just couldn't process all of it Um, and we were moving pretty quickly to really delve in depth into each topic so we were kind of um, trying to wrap our minds around the complexity of everything we were learning and fully grasp everything and I I think for us it was if we'd had more time maybe we would have had a better understanding of it but it yeah we did struggle a little bit we we missed Cisco whenever we got into Microsoft I almost wonder I just always assumed that the ICND1 would might be a nice comparable certification to the MCSA but based on what you are saying, it sounds like the MCSA might be more comparable to the CCNA. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, when you're branching off to, to other, well, let's say CCNA routing and switching, when you're branching off to security and voice and all those, the MCSE seem to dig deeper. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's so there's so much stuff in CCNA now mm-hmm. um, that used to be part of CCNP. And... Uh, I, I'm hesitant to, because, um, you know, before I really got into Cisco, my, my passion is still MCSE and, and Microsoft because I love, I love the power of the things that you can do with Active Directory and, and the ability to push out software and, and allow people to, you know, all, all of those different components. That's the big thing. There's so many pieces of Microsoft um, there's DNS and DHCP and all these services, and and then they have all these add-on things too. You know where, you know web servers and proxies and you know all that stuff. It does work together though. That's that's the beautiful thing about it. It does work really well together. But um, before I really got into Cisco heavily, I used to think, well, geez, that's just one. That's one test. You know, it, it didn't at that time. There weren't two tests; it wasn't split apart. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, to get to MCSE, you've got seven exams here, and to get your CCNA, it's only one exam. Well, at that time, that was relatively easy. Um, it's not like that anymore. There is so much information in there, and um, 
you know, talking to other people who are doing the bridging the gap thing at other institutions, they were saying, well, you know, we, we, we can't even find somebody that can teach the classes in four semesters or whatever. And, and I said, well, I just did four classes in one semester. <laughs> and, and yeah, they were, they were just incredulous. They couldn't believe that. And, um, and they're not even doing the Microsoft. They're just yeah, right. doing the Cisco. They're just doing Cisco. Yeah. And so, because I think we're really the only IT academy, right? Yeah, I think we're the only IT academy possibly still in the state. Yeah. So, and we've just been doing it for a long time. <laughs> we're, we're like the old men in this thing now. Even you, yeah. you know. Um, well, I mean, while you were just talking there, I was thinking, I guess technically the amount of content you all have to worry about going in for a Cisco test is substantially more than a Microsoft test. But then again, also the price reflects that in, in the fact, well, well, the price we get the vouchers for reflect that in the yeah. fact that I can get you all vouchers for around $72, $75. So you can take one book with me as a test. I know they stack up, but you can focus on Active Directory and, and cross that hurdle and then suddenly go into network infrastructure and then try to cross that hurdle and, and go on further and further into the 2012 whereas in the cisco you have two branches you can go to icnd one and you need to cram what's eight hours worth of content that you've been teaching them eight hours worth of class right to to pass that test so maybe it it's probably more content but at least like you were saying greg it's more streamlined Mm -hmm. It, it relates to each other in the microsoft one it it's working out a lot more to be like the, uh, the ICND one now, whereas Cisco said, "Let's make, let's make a CSINT that anybody can go to any CCNA." Microsoft's goal is to make the MCSA for 2012 be able to say, "Oh, they know a little bit about direct access. Oh, they know a little bit about NAP and this," because from there. When I when I teach you all the MCSE, there's like eight different MCSEs, and technically, you're allowed to jump off from the MCSA to any of those. Now we go the server infrastructure route, which is System Center, which is kind of like the the one I think that lends itself the most less relearning. Um, which I, th- I mentioned that to you guys in class. Yeah, uh-huh. and then and then you know they just discontinued desktop infrastructure, which I used to do. But now I'm going to put in messaging instead now. That's going to be a whole new ball of wax because Exchange is never mentioned in those first three classes. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I think things probably started to snowball, you know? Like, it's almost like a lack of sleep thing where you're like, oh, I can get by with four hours of sleep for one day, two day, <laughs> three. three what, what is today? Day three? What is, what is today? Day four? And then suddenly you crash and burn. Some of that may have actually happened with the, with the fatigue there, but um, yeah, I guess they take it they take it different ways. But Andrea, what what you were saying earlier, and I'll lead into is now you are just now finishing your second summer with us. You're finishing your 15 months here, and besides some of the other general education classes you're taking, you're taking my internship class and my networking practicum class, where you alluded to the fact that able to put all these concepts into practice and so for people out there who aren't aware or haven't heard the previous podcast in the networking practicum class i don't do what i do in 95 percent of my other classes because in my other classes i lecture i show you stuff you're doing it in class but you're following along it's it's not paint by numbers but it's not much higher we, we do have a hands-on final at the end 
but most of the class itself is not open, free lab for you to go ahead and pursue what you want. But this class, as a capstone class, allows you to do that. You want to learn Exchange? You can try lab on Exchange. You want to learn System Center? You can try lab on that. And so talk about when you all jumped into this class, what areas were you all looking forward to based on the labs I had to pursue? Andrew, you can go first. Um, I think the hands-on labs that we had were great. I actually wanted to do all of them because (laughs) they seemed very relevant to things that we would be experiencing in the field. They gave us a chance to actually go in and configure servers, configure VMware, and kind of put in the context all that information that we got back in the spring. And it really helped sort of cement some of those concepts into our minds. The good thing about the summer class, if we didn't get all those labs done, we did have videos that we could go back and watch and some documentation that was provided by Patrick where we could at least get a good feel for the the labs, even if we didn't get a chance to actually do the labs. Well, I just, I just don't do those videos for you all because I'm sure as you all both saw, someone will be like, well, you did so-and-so in this video. And I'm like, I recorded that three years ago. I need to rewatch it to see what I did there too. <laughs> so I do it for you, but I do it for me too because I can't keep all that up there the whole time. So what about you, Greg? Um, I really liked the virtualization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked uh, the remote desktop services. The idea of uh, not having to buy, you know, a hundred licenses if you're a small company, and being able to allow people to within your organization to use a piece of software like Office or something. Um, I, I liked thin app being able to create my own msi files that i could put out there so that the end user who might not know what they're doing to install something they just click a button and it's done and it's not pushed down with group policy where i'm big brother making you take it you know uh, <laughs> what's wrong with that come on <laughs> right well it's not that that's a problem but there are times like you know it's like any other organization you've got to try to maintain a balance of uh uh, partnership between the employees you don't want them to look at IT as you know just the guys who come in take over do what they want and leave I, I think that there are a lot of things with uh, Microsoft where you're given the opportunity to just be you know the absolute dominator or uh, and isn't that beautiful it, it, it has its moments yes or, or you can be the the, the peaceful co-worker who mm-hmm. is just there to be helpful and both have their their good and bad points yeah you send you send andrea out on those calls <laughs> well in, peaceful co-worker and since it's thin app and that's vmware it doesn't require group policy nope so no one said that machine has to be a part of the domain that too yeah it's not a microsoft product necessarily not too so you could push it out to in a Bring your own device. Oh, that scenario. was another one. The heterogeneous lab. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a small and, and simple lab compared to the others, but you are going to run into that problem so often uh, of trying to get Max onto a domain or just end devices functioning within your networking system. Uh, that one was very helpful, very useful. Well, good. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, these students and all of our students here do end up taking the internship class their last term here, be it either fall, spring, or summer. Uh, You all happen to be placed at the exact same company partner with us, 
And so why don't you talk about, like, even though you were taking my class and you were in a lab, being able to take the skills that you learned from Scott and from my videos, how about you talk about on, on the job? I know, Andrew, you kind of alluded to that with some of Scott's war stories, but what are other takeaways that if someone's listening to this and thinking, well, I mean, I'm sure I need to learn this stuff and I'm sure I need to get certified, but once I get out there on, on my own, I'm going to have this. You know, I'm, I'm not going to need that information. Why don't you all talk about what you all found useful and if Scott and I were just blowing smoke or, or were <laughs> we, we right? I found uh, if, you, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to walk into a different scenario every day and especially in the field on site um, you may end up going to the same place several times and get accustomed to their particular setup but where every setup is different to some degree with different components and different protocols and what have you it, it being as robust on the information that's available having as much of it at not just knowing it but understanding it uh, will make a huge difference and you can get more than just the foundation of what you need here in this program. I enjoyed doing help desk uh, just because it was the practical knowledge of, I know what I experience when I sit down to a computer. When I look at it, I have a thought process that functions with the level of knowledge that I have. It is interesting to hear end users and to see their level of knowledge, the, the base common knowledge and knowing how you're already going to have to interact with that, that helps. It helps understanding where they're at, uh, uh, what you can ask of them. Because, you know, just asking someone to, you know, put in backslash with the domain name in front of their uh, username can be a difficult task at best. I really enjoyed going out on site. I enjoyed uh, uh, actually looking at the equipment and, and getting to interact with things, learning the best practices that this particular company wanted us to use when doing maintenance on servers and, and workstations. It was a, a highly illuminating experience. Well, that, that's probably good because we talk about best practices, but they were actually doing them mm -hmm. as opposed to us just saying, this is a lab environment. You know, we'll turn off the firewalls. It's a lab environment. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're actually out there, and, and you can get to see, oh, yeah, they actually do keep the firewalls on. They do. What about you, Andrea? I think the internship, it first of all, it helped me see that I got a good foundation in IT at Mount West, but it also made me realize that there were still a lot of things that I needed to learn, and so it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I do need to keep learning, keep studying, and I can fall back on my materials that I had gotten from my classes here at Mount West though and refer back to them when I needed to and they also helped it helped having Scott's stories that he told in the A plus class whenever we got out in the field I could remember some of those stories and say oh yeah you know <laughs> I do remember Scott talking about this um, they did help some with troubleshooting one thing that I realized is that doing my internship it's very unpredictable. You never know when you go on site or when you answer the phone what situation you're going to walk into. So you kind of have to stay alert and be ready to troubleshoot anything that comes your way. Also, got exposed to a lot of diverse hardware and software out in the field. 
And that was a great opportunity to be able to see all of these different things that we might not get the opportunity to lay our hands on at Mount West. Well, one thing I'll, I'll throw out there for the people listening is that, and Scott, can you can chime in on this too, but it does seem like predominantly in IT, you're going to end up at one of two places. You are going to end up working, I mean, in our area, I would call it working for a mom and pop company where you are their IT person and you are the person they call to have them have you work on their equipment. And the problem you run into, similar to why you said you like this job so much, is when they bought that equipment, they're going to get their money's worth out of it. Yeah. If you get a job there and you say, you're running Windows Server 2000, they're going to say, we paid $15,000 for this computer. And you want to say, yeah, that was 15 years ago. But it's still running, so they want it. And so if you work for a place like that, it would be different than what both Greg and Andrea are talking about here because you would have a fixed set of technologies that you manage day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And you can get very rusty. And I've, I found that myself going out into the field after I graduated from here, after I had your classes. We didn't have a large amount of consulting people that we were doing. And the ones we had, they didn't need me to set up Active Directory. I mean, right. they already had it set up. The, my boss had already done that before I got hired. So it's not like I was setting up Active Directory every single week. Whereas now here, I set up Active Directory <laughs> at least <laughs> during the summer, probably like 12 or 15 times. Yeah. Uh, and so you can get rusty on your skills. That's why companies like Greg and Andrea were at are so invaluable for a couple of reasons. Because first, both of them said when they went there, they had a good foundation, but they've actually learned what they might want to go into. Whereas if you get a job for a mom and pop, they have a certain piece of equipment, hopefully you like it or else you're going to be completely miserable there. But I mean, I know from from talking to Andrea that, and, and Greg mentioned it too, phones are now being done over your ethernet. So you're no longer having old landlines, you're now having phones going across the same wires as your computers. And so that's a that's a very big burgeoning field. It's been growing and growing and growing each and every year. That's something you may not get at a mom and pop, but right. you, get, you get experience and exposure to that. And then you may go, wow, IT is so vast, but I found the one little niche area that I want to go into. And that's why I think businesses like this are so useful. But also, as both of you all mentioned, you're dealing with multiple clients who have multiple needs, who have different mail servers, phone servers, web servers, you are experiencing a ton of different technology just based on all the different companies. And that makes you even more nimble and it keeps you from getting rusty because you're learning something new every single day. And that may sound daunting to people listening to this, but more often than not, if you've learned how Hyper-V works for Microsoft, then you can figure out how ESXi works for VMware. They're technologies that are virtually identical, but they're like different languages. They both have verbs, but they the verbs look different. They just have a different name for it. So that would make you more well-rounded. You may learn something on Linux that you're like, oh, I bet I could totally apply that at the command line to Microsoft. So you can pick up all these great skills if you are at a company that does consulting like this that has like, you know, in-house probably 30 or 40 different clients. It can be very, very useful. And we love to send our students out to places like this so you can see the Cisco, the Microsoft, and even stuff we haven't had the opportunity to teach you here. When I talk about the kind of jobs that you can get in, in IT, 
basically what you're talking about with the mom and pop thing, that's a medium-sized company, really, because they can mm-hmm. afford to have somebody that, that handles their IT. That's true. Because normally you've got at the very bottom of the, the ladder there, if you want to think of it, are companies that have IT but can't afford to have in-house IT people. And so they're going to have like a service contract or something with with a company that that actually provides those services. And so, so similar to what Greg and Andrea worked for, right? A company and, who's going to be their contracted IT people, right? And and that's the kind of company that I worked for when I was at the computer store. We were called a value added reseller. We would sell equipment and things, but we also sold services. And so you can have a lot of different customers there that are doing a lot of different things, and it's really interesting. It can be daunting sometimes. Or, and, and you, can, you can be working for a company like that. You can work for the, the middle-sized company, like you were talking about, where they can really maybe only afford one IT person, and you're it. You, know, you do the whole thing. There's one other uh, step on that that usually comes along when you've been in the, the field for a while is where you decide you want to do consulting on your own. You then can provide services, things you know, in areas that you really you have an affinity for, and you've, you've got the skill set for that. And, but that usually takes – that's probably the hardest one to step into because you have to have some customers. You have to have a, a client base. The people who want you to work for them, but that's the most that's been the most rewarding step of it, I think, for me when I was still actually doing it for a living, because obviously I, I love to teach, and I've been doing that for for you know longer than I was an IT consultant. But the ability to be able to pick and choose the customers you want to work for, and that you like to work with, and that will pay their bill. And, and things like that, that, you know, little details like that. But, you know, you, you people you like to work with. And before we this thing gets away from us, and I, and I forget, I want to point out, both Greg and Andrea were talking about how, you know, during the, the Microsoft portion of the, the fast track, it was, it you know, everybody was, was running hard and, and trying to, to keep their head above water. And I, I want to point out, you know, I was teaching those classes at the time, but my mother was um, – uh, terminally ill. I mean, she she passed away during that time, especially these two right here. Uh, but the entire class, it, it it was like a family. It still is like a family, even though I handed them off to Patrick. And so they supported me in a terrible time in my life. They said, you know, it is a family, and we got it. You know, you worry about what you need to worry about. And so it it really touched me that they they supported me like that in a time when I really needed it. And I want to thank you both for that because it really meant a lot to me. You're welcome. That's um, a family. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, this I find, I find the BTG program, the way your classes work being so tight-knit when, when they come out, it's not a matter of if they're going to keep in touch. It's a matter of when they're going to hear from one another. It's it's going to happen. Yeah, because we so. had that with them tonight. Yeah, several of them were were still here, and everybody was wanting. Well, you know, when are we going to get together? When are we going to talk? Yeah. One thing that I want to mention about what you were saying there, you may not have found this, but I found when you do get to the level of doing consulting on your own, yes, you can pick your customers you want to work for, but also, it's so hard. Once you get home, once you've done the work for the people that you have to do the work for, it's so hard once you get home to turn around and go, I'm going to study this new technology Oh yeah, that no one's paying me to study at all. And so you can, you can lapse into that and then kind of become 
um, complacent. Complacent. I was going to say rusty, but also almost have tunnel vision to the technologies your clients have. If you can't, you might feel like you're burning the candle at both ends, kind of when you come home. So, if you had a client that required something, like in their case, you got to make money, so you got to do it, and so you might have that right. extra drive to go ahead and keep learning stuff. Well, and also, I mean, when you've got you you have clients that are are relying on you there are going to be areas that they want to go into and things that they want to do and they're going to turn to you and and say well what what does this mm-hmm. you know what i really want to do this what does it take to make that happen and and either you were already interested in it and you've been looking into it and you're like wow i've just been waiting for somebody to ask for that or you've you're aware of it and you you you've been tired and and you thought you know one of these days i'm going to get into that and so now you can say well i believe what you need is this let me do some let me look into it for you and um, then you can come back to them you know give them your recommendations they trust you and so um you know i found that many times i you know my clients were basically paying me to learn about that thing for them so that i could do that for them right you know and so i i think it's a it's kind of a, a a nice circle of life kind of a thing you know they trust you and and so um, you're willing to spend the time to do what it takes to to learn so that you can provide them a solution I think that's the beauty of it because that's what's kept that's what keeps you on your toes mm-hmm. um, you know and and yet the experience that you had way back when you saw something happen, it can come back to you, you know, and and benefits years later because you'd be like, I've seen that happen before, mm-hmm. and uh, you know somebody else could come in and it might take they they might never figure it out, and you're just you're an, you're an old person that's been around. Yeah, well, back in the days when they, before there was dirt, you know, I saw that happen, and so anyway. hopefully you can remember how it happened <laughs> exactly. Because I, I keep on in this summer class, I keep on having them do reflection papers so that you know six months they can a look year, back on it yeah they go i know that happened let me look back at what i wrote about it and yeah. that comes back to like keeping engineering journals or whatever you want to call it on on your configurations on your servers and your routers and things like that so that you know six months down the road yeah you had a problem and it took you days to figure out before and all you got to do is flip back in that book to back to round when that was and there it is and you got it right there and you can fix it right then you used to talk so, about like a lot of companies would actually have a different notebook for each and every server, yep, switch, and router. Right there by the servers and, and their equipment. And you know if you if you were conscientious about it and you went ahead and, and you know note, notated in there what you were doing and, and when you did it and why, um, it could really save you later on. That sounds like a change policy. <laughs> That's, well, my so, boss at the computer store always used to say, "Well, what happens if you get hit by a bus?" Mm-hmm. You know, can somebody come behind you and do this? And she was always saying, you know, Mary Jo Miller, she she was always, what if you get hit by a bus? And I was like, I think I need to be really careful around buses. You definitely you need know? to look out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what she was saying was that, you know, if if you do your job right, somebody could come in behind you and look through your notes and see what you did, you know. It's, it's not – you can't be paranoid about losing your job. If you do a good job, you're going to have a job. Yeah, if you haven't heard episode 10, I believe it was, that it was Scott, on the the life of doing IT consulting and and, and the like, we talked a lot about that, how people can be really paranoid and just end up burning bridges with companies they have. And if you're confident in yourself 
and you you do a good job, they'll call you back. Yeah, they will. Yeah, you will keep. They those know people. that you're going to help them, um, yeah. and they'll call you over and over again. And a lot of times, they'll pay more money for you because they know you. You know, that's a human nature thing. If you're you price yourself done, too low, right? People think that you must not be worth much. Yeah, you know. So, but also they'll pay extra because. You're going to get it down, done the, the first time? <laughs> yeah, in, in a shorter period of time, yeah. They're not going to have to pay that idiot twice <laughs> to do what they could just paid you for, you know, one time? That's exactly right. So so based on your all's internship or or even even throughout the, the BTG experience, do you all have any um, funny stories or funny moments you remember, things that, that stand out that, that um, might make for some interesting listening for potential people who are thinking of going into the degree or – or things they might run into that you want to give them a heads up about? I was uh, sent out on site to a particular job, and when I got to the facility, a UPS wasn't sending the signal back that it was functioning properly. So the idea was we were just going to restart the UPS and see what happens. And for people out there that don't know, that's a uninterrupted power supply so the power goes off the the, the equipment stays on yeah mm-hmm. battery backup mm-hmm. uh, it's it really going to be useful if you just have like a a, a surge you know because the lights just flicker right yeah because if the server goes down and you're in the middle of saving or writing something to a hard drive well you know where that goes or if you're in the middle like you know 1 p.m. of the day and everyone's like i can't get anywhere now I right print <laughs> i can't so, print i get there and I, I ask is everybody you know logged out and have all their documents saved and yes 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 we're good and i go to the uh, server closet when i open it up it was like uh opening up a tomb in egypt uh <laughs> the smell the dust uh, no one had been there for decades, probably. <laughs> and uh, when I walked and I looked over, there's a switch mounted vertically on the wall, and there's no cover on it. It has been opened. You mean like a, like a Cisco networking a switch? A Cisco networking That's switch. Not a wall switch. The big one. Yeah. Uh, like, a, <laughs> like a 3550. And there's a punch-down block that has no other purpose than a wiring set up for bypassing a part of that switch internally that had failed oh my gosh and they are they are bypassing parts of that switch that no longer function properly oh my okay? gosh so i literally am looking at not only an ancient switch but one that has clearly malfunctioned and that someone took the time not to have to reinvest to try to hand wire it back into functionality <laughs> <laughs> and somehow Man, that's a good one. it was working Nobody even knew. Oh, my gosh. Even, even the place I worked for didn't know that that piece of equipment was running their system. Yeah, I just... The the, <laughs> I, the idea that someone sat there at some point and that said, That much you know time. What? It's worth my time to sit here and rewire <laughs> this switch. <laughs> the engineers worked probably for two years to get right the first time. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Just It was, it was very That's odd amazing. to me. And... and to further illustrate the point, this was not a business that where it was not an absolute necessity. This system had to function, had to, <laughs> you know. Uh, another one, we were sitting there one day, and all of a sudden, phones start blowing up. And it's all from this other facility, a large facility with lots of employees. And again, scenario, cannot fail, okay? Um, they are moving 
all of their employees and many of their workstations and devices from one domain, the old domain, to a new domain and, and server setup. Now, what they have done is all of this redundancy. They have backup power supplies, multiple servers, um, you name it. it. Like They went overboard. But they had it all plugged into two power strips, <laughs> <laughs> including one, all of the backup power supplies are plugged into the same power strip. So... <laughs> Naturally, all that redundancy coming into a dollar ninety nine power yeah. strip. <laughs> Naturally, the worst happens. The power strip is under the floor, falls off of a pedestal, flips the switch. Right? Many <laughs> it turns of the, itself off. Yeah, many of the devices instantly fail uh, and start sending out their their Traps. warnings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then the backup power supplies they're not going to last forever and they go down well the power is still on technically so there's not a generator or anything to back the, like it's just dying on them <laughs> we send the guy on site he's there for two hours clearly panicking clearly being you know hounded into the dirt what are we going to do he lifts the floor panel and he reaches down <laughs> with one finger you're good it's it'll be back give it a minute <laughs> And it all started coming back up. People started getting logged on. And they looked at him and they said, uh, what should we do? And he said, I would recommend a second power supply. <laughs> Finally, go to, go to Big Lots and buy another power strip. Seriously. Oh, it was genius. It just goes to show you, you know, you can, if you don't do your due diligence, you can bury yourself no matter how hard you've tried in the past, you know. Yeah, and this was a medical facility with patients records and things that it can't go down they need their their prescriptions sent off and all of this information has to be available at all times and not fail but it did <laughs> so what about you andrea any funny stories i don't think they have any as exciting as greg's stories uh one thing that i realized is the truth in turning something off and back on again a lot of times really does help. Um, you know, I, people have that sort of joke about IT. Have you tried turning it off and back on again? But I have actually seen on numerous occasions that rebooting really can solve a lot of issues. Um, another is situation that I saw in the field that was kind of entertaining, um, going on site to a religious institution and doing a maintenance on their computers, you have to review log files and event logs. Uh, just to see if the, there have been any events generated that could mean hardware is failing or something like that. Things that the antivirus program had blocked. I noticed all of these adult content websites um, with very interesting names that had been blocked on this person's computer in this religious institution. Content, yeah. uh, so that, that was um, kind of a an interesting experience and of course I finished the maintenance and didn't say anything and didn't laugh or anything at the guy but but um, it it was kind of an entertaining experience well I mean this is this is way above that level but I I had done interviews with people before that have worked at places like PC doctor or future computers yeah who talked about on more than one occasion someone bringing in a laptop and started to get it worked on and they had to call the police because like there was child pornography or questionable pornography and stuff like that so um it it happens when you when you run into computer systems and stuff like that but that does seem a little 
counter to what you think going to a, not what you expect going to a religious institution and seeing that they were surfing around a lot of pornographic websites <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> well lastly what i want to ask you all is for any advice or a story or some sort of parable something you could tell or impart to somebody who will be thinking about doing the fast track here or even someone who might be considering going into the IT field do you have any words of wisdom for them if they're if they're thinking about that first off i would say uh, it is a extremely diverse and interesting field in the first place so if you don't know what you want to do with your life I'm sure you're already dealing with cell phones and computers anyhow. You might find it more beneficial and more interesting than you think you would. Uh, People don't look at people in the IT field the way that they used to. I, I can tell you from my personal experience that the best way that you can look back on a choice and determine whether the choice was a worthwhile choice or not is asking the question, if I had it to do over, would I do it again? And if I found myself sitting back a year and a half ago thinking whether I should do this, but knowing what I know now, I would definitely have done it again. I also think that because this field is exploding so fast that the sooner that you start it, the sooner you get into it, the less behind the eight ball you're going to be because every day, it's, it's it's always sort of been that way, but when the tree is small, the branches don't reach out quite as far. Well, the tree is getting huge. And it's just growing every day. You, if you don't start on it now, it, you will be behind. I, I, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. I, I don't think I would be enjoying being a part of another uh, field as much as <laughs> I do this. That's me personally. Well, the nice thing, too, is the, the tree being so large can be daunting. But also, it's nice to know that you can find your own little sector of the tree. Your own you, branch. Yeah, mm-hmm. that you really, really enjoy that you can really focus on if that's what you want to do. So, good point. Andrea? Um, of course, I only did the Fast Track program, so I don't know a lot about the general IT programs, but I think that everything that I learned here at Mount West is applicable in the field, in real life, and I've, what I've learned has directly related to a job to in the field work. We got a good foundation in A+. We got a good foundation in Cisco and in Microsoft. And so from that foundation, we can build on that after we leave Mount West and branch out into other areas of Cisco or Microsoft. So it really gave us a good sturdy foundation on which to build a career. And I also think that Mount West has a lot of talented staff. If you're interested in anything in IT, there's staff there who can teach that or who can talk to you about that and guide you. So I really do encourage people to come and check out Mount West because I I don't think you'll be disappointed. Scott, any closing thoughts you might want to add? Well, I do know that uh, it is incredibly fast-paced and it it really moves along because I, I personally had some misgivings myself about the Cisco side of things. I knew that we could do the uh, the Microsoft classes pretty much because we've been doing those forever. But yeah, you know, we had had uh, another instructor that was very good. I thought with Cisco, who had tried to do two classes 
in a semester, and and she was not successful with that. The uh, students just didn't didn't get it, and um, I don't know if we're screening people a little bit better about that or or what or how that's working out because I wouldn't I wouldn't attribute it to me, and so you're gonna you're gonna have to spend the time and and pretty much dedicate your life for 15 months and, and get that done i've been there too i i was working full-time in, in it and i was going to college full-time and i was working on my novel cne on the weekends and so i remember there being two little aliens that walked around the house that you know i found out where my kids later but you know you you kind of <laughs> just you know you focus on that stuff and so it, it takes it takes a lot of dedication. I think we're an incredible value. Our our tuition is not high, no. and um, the ability to come out here and and get into all this tech for relatively low prices is a great deal. I mean, I I would have killed to be able to do something like that when I was in college myself. So if if I could go back and do it all over again, I would do that definitely. So, well, what I would say here to wrap up is that. No matter whether you go into a fast-track program, similar to our 15-month program, or you go into our regular two-year program, something that both Greg and Andrea brought up countless times, you really need to think of and, and apply. What you're going to get here at Mount West is a foundation. We don't teach you everything. and our goal, You're not done learning. Yeah, and our, and our goal here is not to teach you everything. I always tell our programming students when they come to orientation that we're not going to teach them every programming language out there. Our goal is to teach them this programming language or this programming language, and then once you learn a language, you can then base it off of, of other languages. If you know English, to learn French, I mean, you may have to pronounce the words correctly, but you know what a verb is. You know what an adverb is. You know what an adjective. Our goal is to make sure that we fill your toolbox with meaningful tools. A hammer, a screwdriver, a wrench, so that when you get out there in the real world, yes, you may be dealing with a Phillips screwdriver as opposed to the flathead we taught you, but you still know how to turn the screwdriver. You'll be able to take the same concepts we taught you and apply them to that new technology. So when you come to Mount West or a place similar to Mount West, keep in mind that we're going to teach you the foundational stuff. You are definitely going to have to keep on learning once you leave here. But I do think one of the greatest things that was that's kind of highlighted in this podcast, too, is that we give you the foundational material, but then also we set you up with an internship. And so many times I've heard people say, when I look out there for jobs, they want a certification, they want a degree, and they want like seven years of experience. All jobs want seven years of experience. Where's the job I get to get experience so I can apply for that seven years of experience Yeah, Catch-22. It's been around forever, 19. Yeah, and so one of the greatest things that I always try to tell all of my students that are going through the internship program is it doesn't really matter where we place you. Like, you may not enjoy the particular sector you're in. If you're a programmer and you get stuck at a place that does mainly networking, yeah, you aren't going to be able to make programs like you want to. But that is experience you're getting at an IT institution. Yep. One of my recent interviews was, was with a gentleman named Greg Napier who had taken a job. And I asked him during the interview, I said, how many years of experience did they expect you to have to get that job? And I believe he said five. And I had been keeping track in my head. He'd worked for 
a competing company that, that you all had worked for, but he'd only been there for three and a half years after his internship. But his very first job had been working help desk for Toyota. Because he talked about in there, he was pretty crazy. I was doing help desk at Toyota, talking to people in Detroit who were Japanese. What a language barrier. But he's like, I was able to use my very first job, because it was technically an IT job, to apply that experience towards getting that higher end job. So I'm telling everybody out there, if you go the route of getting an IT degree, realize that first, it's a foundation you're building. You're going to have to keep on going. But also pay attention when you do your internship, because that's going to be experience you can add on to your actual resume and so that you won't be the catch-22 for you you actually have experience to help you get your foot in the door or to possibly get a full-time position at that company to work your way and climb the IT ladder out there so that's my final thought and that's going to do it this week for talk on tech I am Patrick Smith and I'm Scott Nicholas so have a great week